Welcome to Corporate Thought, the podcast where we talk about everything from food to family to music to the life of entrepreneurship and anything and everything else that makes life worth living. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Mark Marling. Welcome to Corporate Thought. My guest on today's episode is Nicole Campbell, a commercial real estate broker in Virginia Beach, Virginia. This episode was recorded just as coronavirus was gaining traction in the U.S., so we were able to record our conversation face-to-face, but it was my last in-person podcast for a while. Please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Nicole Campbell. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Thank you. I'm good. good. Thank you for uh, coming to visit um, the new offices of Corporate Thought and uh, getting to spend a little time and tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, absolutely. This is fantastic. I really appreciate you even offering to let me show up today. So, yeah, it's been great. I love how um, I had this conversation this morning with some folks about what is social media. And uh, we were talking about various forms or things. But what I like is when some when it actually works to create new introductions. So mm-hmm. I met you via LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that our paths might have crossed otherwise, but for the fact that you posted something in response to, to a friend of mine, and then I, I posted something and then started a conversation with you. Right. So that's when social media works, I think. Yeah, and... That's what I'm finding for me with LinkedIn because I'm kind of newer to the area. I'm new, newer to what I'm doing in business. And LinkedIn has just created connections like that every day. Really? Yeah. It's just, so I think I met that mutual friend of ours from LinkedIn originally. We can plug him. Zach, okay. Zach Miller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I met Zach through LinkedIn originally. We sat down, had coffee, had a conversation, and then... Um, course I read his book Anomaly we'll plug that too okay um, and then just from there it's literally every day that someone either I've commented on something or they've commented on mine and then exactly that that someone else has seen it and then we see oh we have mutual interest or mutual friends and kind of it's gone from there which which is great um, corporate thought tends to uh, as a um, as an entity not so much as a podcast is concerned with the negative effects of social media mm. a little bit. And really, it's not even so much the social media, it's that device that I'm sure you have in your purse and I have on my desk somewhere, but usually in my pocket, mm-hmm. um, that while we can be more connected with people through technology, I suspect uh, that we are more lonely than ever, that we don't do as much face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one reason why I try very hard for as many of the podcast episodes as possible to sit down in a face-to-face setting. You, know, you can do this over over uh, over Skype or Zoom, and it's convenient if I want to talk to someone around the, across the country, but two weeks ago I recorded uh, an episode with someone who lives across the country and just waited until we could be in the same room mm-hmm. because I feel like we get a better communication when, when we're together. Yeah. So, But it is good to see that you know we met because... So there are... As a tool, it can be a very good tool. As uh, as our only source of how we communicate, I fear that we become more isolated. Isolated 
is a great word, and I think lonely, as you said earlier, is a great word, and I don't know that people actually understand that always, and so maybe they're feeling some things that they don't quite understand why. Um, and then we get this divide of, you know, I said something through email or through a text, and, and how is it that somebody took it the wrong way? Or how, how am I feeling about this text that I just received, and I'm getting angry, and there's no context, and there's no tone. And so we have stopped picking up the phone. And when we do pick up the phone, usually it's as a last resort. And in my business, I'm finding that it's harder and harder to get people just to get on the phone and much less face-to-face. So what, what business is that? So I'm in commercial real estate. And I specifically do office leasing on the south side of Hampton Roads. And I usually start with a, it may be a phone conversation with someone, but I may not even meet them until much later on down the road. I may never even meet the decision maker. I may never have a phone conversation with the decision maker. It's all through email a lot of times. Um, it could be that I'm trying to negotiate a deal with the other side, the other broker, and it's all through email. There's no phone conversation. The landlord is just off kind of doing their own thing and there's no face-to-face or phone conversation. So, so much of it is lost um, and I think things take a lot longer than they should and sometimes feelings get hurt and people get bent out of shape when usually there's not a reason to because we just didn't take the time to pick up the phone. That's interesting. So I was going to ask, so how how can you combat that? Is that is that, I guess, is that just the way it is in the commercial real estate space or do you think that's, or, or do you think that that's, that's something that you, that you can or want to combat? <laughs> well, I do want to combat it because me coming from not doing this for the past 20 years like a lot of folks have and I think they've kind of got set in their ways and you know things are the you know just kind of how they've always been done and um, for the past probably four years since I've been doing it <clears throat> excuse me um, I've seen it's gone further and further away from actually talking to people and it's you know all through paper and so while they're saying you know we want to get you know, a little bit more with the times and be able to do digital signatures and all this stuff and all through internet, which is fine for some things, but then I think they've kind of swung a little bit too far the, that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to combat it. It just makes, I feel like everybody's lives easier, makes transactions go a lot smoother, which is the whole point of having a commercial real estate person involved is that things go smoothly. Um, and when we don't have that interaction, person to person, then it just really kind of breaks things down. So you've been in this realm for four years now, you mm-hmm. said? So um, I always want to understand people's backstories a sure. little bit. So um, how did you get there? What was You said you're new to the area mm-hmm. and four years in commercial real estate. So take us before that, I guess. Okay, so, oh gosh, well, how far back do you want to go? I, whatever you're, if you want to tell me your origin story, we'll go uh, as far back as you need to. Oh gosh, okay, well, I'll start with... Um, I joined the army in 1997. Okay. To get out of an abusive relationship, it like it was one of those things where I had to figure out a way to get out of that. And I was young; I think I was 20 years old. Um, joined the army. I was a military police officer, um, and then got to Fort Carson, Colorado. Met my now husband, and was able to get rid of the the first guy. Okay. Um, so then we traveled all over the world. We went to Germany, we went to Ohio, we went to, where else have we, oh, Fort Carson, Colorado. Um, and then we ended up in 
um, Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Sure. So we were there for about eight years. And so I was in the Army for only three years, mm -hmm. and my husband stayed in. So as we're traveling around, I had to figure out, well, what am I going to do with my life as we travel? And I kind of just kind of did things here and there. I got my degree. And then when we got to Fort Bragg, I worked as a teacher for a while. I worked with a jewelry designer for a while. I, um, let's see, what else did I do while we were there? A bunch of stuff. And then got into real estate, just residential real estate. And started off as a transaction coordinator. I didn't know anything about real estate at all. I didn't have a license. I was just there, you know, kind of as a part-time person at first and then worked my way up and I was working with a new construction team. And then I became their director of sales and marketing, got my real estate license. And then when I moved to Virginia Beach, when my husband got transferred here, then I decided, okay, I'm gonna work as a residential real estate agent. And that was fun. I enjoyed going and seeing a lot of houses because I enjoyed the interior design. I liked that aspect of it. But what got me was people making decisions on whether or not to buy a house because of the the toilet had been set on before by somebody else. Wow. Or the color scheme that they can paint and change just didn't fit what they thought it should be. And so they would make these decisions based on some, you know, some things that I thought weren't logical. Sure. Didn't matter about their bottom line or if it checked all the boxes, they just made those decisions. And so somebody um, said to me about five years ago, you know, maybe you should consider commercial real estate. People make decisions a little bit more on the bottom line and sometimes, you know, more logical. It's not as emotion-based. So maybe with your personality, that would be something that you would enjoy. And so it just so happened that I saw that there was a job opening at DeVar's Real Estate for administrative professional. And I knew I didn't know anything about commercial real estate. So I started to work with Michael DeVaris and the office leasing team. And they taught me a ton of stuff. And then I've been in brokerage. So having that foundation of the behind the scenes and then kind of everything else that I've done in life to help me understand where people are coming from, how people think and um, what may be an influencer in the decision is um, thinking as opposed to the actual decision maker and how that dynamic works. All that's kind of come together to what I'm doing now in commercial real estate. That's, that's, that's great. Did, mm -hmm. did, the, did the military service have can you can you look back to the military service and find things that you learned or did there that you that have either informed who you are as a person or changed how you approach things? Um, yes, and it comes from some good leadership and some bad leadership. Okay. So I was an enlisted person, which just means that you know I'm not running the show. Right? Sure. Um, I wasn't an officer, but I had some really great leaders who took me under their wing and said, "Okay, well, where do you want to be?" And uh, what is it that you want to do with your military career? And at the time, I said I wanted to be the first female sergeant major of the Army. I had big plans, you know, I had these aspirations. And they said, okay, well, if that's what you want to do, you need to do this, 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 and this. And you need to look like a soldier. And you need to act like a soldier. And you need to um, accomplish these things. You need to get your degree. You, need, you know, they just kind of gave me a checklist. And I started working on that. I got promoted pretty quickly, so I, when I left the Army, I was an E5, and I had done that within three years, and I was on my way. It just happened that I got pregnant, um, and we were both in the Army, my husband and I, 
we were on these rotations to Kosovo at the time. Right. And I did not want to send my newborn baby back to the States while I was in Kosovo doing peacekeeping missions. So I got out of the Army and my husband stayed in. But the, the great leadership that I had told me how to make a plan and then how to get those boxes and check them off to make it to where I needed to go. The bad leadership, I mean, you, you always hear about, you know, people, things like officers in the command having us sit on the ground while we're waiting to be released from an exercise where we've been out in the field for a week or two. We're hungry, we're tired, we're dirty. They come in with their bag of Burger King, walk by, we're starving, and they go and shut the door. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to be like that guy. I would <laughs> never, ever treat people like that. You know, it's always like making sure that you're respecting people at every level. So, so it's, I think it's always useful when you can look at all experiences, good and bad, mm. and find something that you can apply in your life out of it. Absolutely. So that sounds like a little bit like parts of parts of your of your of your military service at yeah. least. <laughs> for sure. I also know how to do push ups. Oh so there you I go. Mean, you... <laughs> I don't know how you apply that, but <laughs> Hey, why not? I yeah. mean, you know, frankly being it being healthy yeah. and being in good shape. I mean, for 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 me it's my bicycle. Yeah. Uh, you know, my we all get something we need to release, right? Some people could be push ups. I right. probably not me. I don't, I don't understand people who run, but some people run. <laughs> right. I, uh, I like to, to ride my bike for very long distances. Oh, okay. And that's how I get out of, I get out of my own head. <laughs> nice. What yeah. do you do to get out of your head? These days, um, I need to do a better job of that, actually, because I used to go to the gym all the time, and I kind of put that to the wayside, so I work a lot, and then usually it's just going home and taking a minute, cooking dinner, you know, decompress by... No one else is in there in the kitchen with me. I'm doing this by myself. I can be alone with my thoughts. and But the eating part needs to coincide a little bit better with actually going to the gym to, <laughs> to work that off. But, um, yeah, I need, I need to do a better job of that. Spend a lot of time right now with soccer because my son plays soccer, and so he has training during the week and then games on the weekend. and. Yeah, um, I would suggest the being a parent. So you have two children. I have three. Three children. Mm-hmm. So yeah, being being a parent, uh, especially when you're building a business or working in a, in a business. And I and I don't know if if as a real estate professional, you consider this. I mean, I know you work in an organization, somebody else's organization, mm-hmm. but it's still very much an independent type role, right. right? So you really are in a way having your own business in the confines of someone else's entity, right? Um, but how, but I don't, um, really believe that my life is separate. My personal life is very separate from my business life. I believe that my life is the entirety. And that means people say, well, you know, when you work and I say, well, that's every day, Mm -hmm. every day I work every day. I'm, 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 I'm doing something. It may not be all day. Right. Uh, it'll, because having, doing your own thing also allows you to, go to the soccer games and go to the practices and go to the tournaments mm-hmm. and, and, and do other things. And for me, get on the bike for long distances too. Uh, yeah. But um, at the same time, it doesn't mean that the business isn't always surrounding me. Right. That's absolutely right. And, so, and it's always, well, is there something that I can be doing even on my off time? 
how do I need to address this uh, customer or this client that I'm dealing with? Can I do that you know, in between what I'm doing with the family? Or is what I'm doing with the family give me an opportunity to see some things and to learn some things that I wouldn't necessarily had the opportunity to do? So for me, with the soccer, it's the travel and seeing new places that maybe if I was just so focused on you know, just getting taking care of the clients that I wouldn't get a chance to go out and see, well, what are they doing in Richmond? What's going on in Stafford, Virginia? And using those things and saying, okay, well, the market here is a little different, but how can I take that and, you know, implement some of the things I've learned in these other locations um, and use it towards my business? So it's kind of, yeah, you're absolutely right. Everything is together and it's not separate. And and back to the social media part, right. um, on LinkedIn, I've gotten some, most of the engagement that I get that's like really on the high end is when I'm talking about more personal stuff and people see the human behind what I'm doing in business. I think that's 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 a, a, a really good point. Um, I have tried in my own posts to tell more of a personal story. Mm-hmm. I tend to have, say, short posts on Instagram or something or even on LinkedIn and they'll be, um, and they'll always have a, there's a business touch right. on it but I try to relate a personal story likewise I always find that <laughs> and it's not like I'm such a great looking guy but pictures that are personal pictures they mm-hmm. get on Instagram always have a better seem to have a better response rate than if it's a picture of a scene or something that's beautiful yep. um, that's just at least for me that's how it seems to work the more personal you make it mm-hmm. which supports the theory that we are more desperate for true human contact yes and yet we set ourselves up for it because like you said no one is picking up the phone and calling if you can't do it online you're not doing it or Mm -hmm. you know or sending emails and the miscommunication that comes in from not understanding context as you said Mm -hmm. so we're creating this situation for ourselves that clearly we have this desire for something more, more personal. Right. We get ourselves in cycles, and it works the same with um, something that I coined for myself. I said, oh, we have this inactivity cycle. It is where we need money to buy things to make our lives easier, so we work longer to make the money, and then we would have less time because we're working more hours. Like, it just is a cycle. It's kind of, So it's kind of the same thing where it's a cycle of we want everything online and and quickly and to do things through technology but then we're craving that personal touch and that interaction and we just don't know how to get there it seems like now i will say i watched a little video that you did the other day explaining the difference and maybe it wasn't the other day but i found it It was Mm -hmm. new to me uh that you were explaining the difference between um a full service lease and a and a triple net lease right and i said oh well that's good because you're educating right right so i said oh that's great for people who don't know what that is and Mm -hmm. so you and you went so far as to make a little demonstration on a you know put the numbers out there and yeah i thought that was great oh i'm glad you liked it it's funny because i started off i wrote this stuff out and um i so i taught for one year the one thing about teaching that really freaked me out was having to write on the whiteboard. Okay. <laughs> so, as I'm like writing that stuff on the piece of paper, I thought, oh my gosh, here I am back to that handwriting and just the, the, the part of me that just, I don't want that out there because I feel like bad handwriting. Sometimes people look at that even though I, I can't help it. It's like they might think less of me because I have ban- bad handwriting or something. Um, it's a weird little 
cork I have that I'm worried about that. But um, but I thought, no, this is important. I need to have a visual with it because some people, I can talk about it all day long and maybe I can write a post about it, but maybe it'll be easier for people to understand if they actually see the numbers as I'm speaking. So that was my first foray into, I've done a ton of videos, but I haven't done anything with visual aids before. So I guess I'll, I'll keep that in. No, it was good. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was, it was, it was, it was, Straight to the point. Yeah. It, it was. It was. It was concise. It was educational. You know, I, I thought that was that was good. Now, do you tend to is is LinkedIn your platform, or do you kind of work in other places too? No, LinkedIn is it for me, and I know I need to probably branch out and try some other things because you know LinkedIn will probably it'll go away at some point, like everything else is supposed to. Too, I try to put stuff on YouTube so that it will be there forever. Um, and it'll be the evergreen or whatever the marketing people say. <laughs> sure. Um, but I use Facebook a little bit for prospecting, but not really for anything beyond personal stuff. Um, and usually that's to keep in contact with family and friends because I am in a, an area where I don't have family and friends here. I mean, I have friends here, but not from like back home and things like that. So um, keep connected that way. And Instagram, I love it for scrolling and seeing what else other people are doing. But for myself, I'm, I don't feel like I'm a great photographer or have anything of value to really offer that type of platform. So I haven't really gotten into that. Gotcha. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you have things of value to yeah. offer there. It's just a question of finding your way. Right. Into, I, 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 I dabble all over the place, mm -hmm. right? I, I, I but I, but I, so I don't concentrate on any one. I don't really spend any time on Facebook. But I think my main reason for that is back to this question of, of, of connectivity. Yes, there are, it's great to be able to follow up and see what friends from long ago and the, their kids growing up, uh, who knows what. At the same time, the level of vitriol and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the discourse that seems to be on that platform. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why, because that, that exists in, say, Twitter, too, but Twitter's just, because it's shorter, because it doesn't have all the other pieces to it, it just, it goes away faster. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I find, I find, I get so disturbed by, by the conversations that, that seem to show up on Facebook, mm -hmm. that years ago, I just basically said, that's not a platform for me, mm -hmm. and I don't really want to. I don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. And I think the disturbing part about Facebook is a lot of times it's people that you know who are saying things that you're like, I really didn't think that about you. And you can see what they're doing other places and you can see their conversations that they're having on because it shows up on your feed. And so it's one of those things where um, you don't realize something about a person, which is fine. We don't all have to agree, but sometimes the hate that you see from somebody you thought you liked is kind of like, wow, am I a bad judge of character? Well, and that's, and that's it's really interesting because somebody who you know who um, would never act that way in front of you mm -hmm. in in a space that, you know, if you ran into them in the mall or a restaurant or somewhere else, and but what they will put in writing um, or, or comment in, in that space mm -hmm. is so different, I find, than how they will act in when confronted by it. And I don't know right. if it's the absence of the person that they're looking at, so that they don't, that they, that, so why it goes that way, but yeah. it really does, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, it's unfortunate too, because you feel like, well, if that's not how you would act in person, then why would you, what is, like you said, exactly, why, 
what is so different about this that you're able to um, say hateful things or just yeah just really hateful things it just doesn't make any sense um, and you would hope that if they were confronted by that in person that they would not act that way but then it makes it just makes you wonder you know if they're thinking like that right. in their head and they're able to hold back in person why can't they hold back just in general <laughs> just keep it to your family like tell your family how you feel maybe or vent that way but why put it out there in writing yeah it's really interesting weird do you ever did, have you found in in I guess in commercial real estate have you do you you know in that space it seems like a very it, 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 like a like a space that wouldn't get too um, too emotional mm-hmm. like you said very different than the, than the residential real estate where people might get upset about like the color of the walls mm-hmm. uh, and maybe I'm wrong but I don't tend to think that business people in commercial real estate are going to get upset like that but do you find examples where you think wow like like how somebody reacts to something like that is mm-hmm. I mean do you have any examples of that um I don't and that's good I yeah think. <laughs> and maybe it's just because I haven't been doing it long enough maybe somebody who's been in it for 20 years could probably have an example of somebody who maybe just didn't well okay I take that back I just thought of one so we got an offer a proposal from a tenant's broker okay I was representing the landlord they provided the proposal we countered their proposal on the landlord side and when we countered and gave that information back to the tenants broker he was so upset from what we countered with that he started asking who would give this guy this kind of advice I hope it's not you I mean, well, I represent him, so what is it? I mean, he was really on the phone talking to me, telling me how he didn't agree with it, he didn't understand it, but he was, like, almost yelling, which I hadn't encountered before, and I get it that he didn't agree with and wasn't happy with the way we countered, but then he pers- he took it personally when it's just, this is all business. The landlord looked and said, this isn't going to work for my bottom line, but here's what will, and you have an opportunity to respond now, Mr. Tenant, and instead of him taking it to his tenant and saying, okay, well, here's how we could respond based on this, he got personally upset about it and thought that we were misguiding our landlord, which it just it confused me because, of course, I'm, you know, I'm guiding my landlord, and he's, guiding, he's providing his guidance, too, because he knows all his numbers, and he knows his bottom line better sure. than we will, but um, it's nothing personal. It's all business, baby. <laughs> so that so that's interesting. So it's the discourse. Mm-hmm. So the so uh, and and I think that it, I know we spend a lot of time talking about this, but I do believe that the social media platforms are having an impact on the discourse, mm-hmm. and and maybe that's an example of where it's carrying over outside of even the that situation where we might not be so surprised to see someone yelling in capital letters. Right. right in 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 that, but we but you were still surprised to have it happen over the phone. Yeah, uh, you know, or and that's where it gets really interesting because I may be too old fashioned. I just don't think that that's the way that it was in the past, mm-hmm. and I really don't. I really hope that's not the way it is in the future. It just happens to be now. <laughs> right, and I think sometimes too, it's going to be the personality. So if somebody has that personality where they, and I don't know what that would, they've got all those different things, right, of different types of personalities, but 
maybe somebody who is more um, just in general that they would get upset about things or take things personally and feel like it's all about them instead of the bigger picture that they would take that and and be more apt to express themselves that way um, whereas somebody who's just more middle of the line they can kind of see the big picture and not feel like that it has to be an explosive situation to get your point across because you will see and I've heard people talking on the phone um, just like trying to get their point across and being loud about it instead of listening and thinking okay well I'm going to listen, 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 and let's find a mutually agreeable solution instead of just repeating my point over and over and louder and louder. So <laughs> right. that doesn't do much of anything. So. No, it, it, it doesn't. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So you mentioned because you get to travel around because of your kids and sports activities, mm-hmm. seeing other areas. So when you see something, I'm, I'm just curious, so from a real estate point of view, when you see an area and you say, oh, that's a great way that they redeveloped that downtown or what have you, mm-hmm. are you able to take any of those ideas and bring them back home to, to, to do anything with or to, to influence? I try to. So if I have something, I, since I work in office leasing and I represent landlords who own office buildings, if I see something that I feel like could be potentially either maybe a first to market for our area um, and say, hey, if you guys want to get on the front end of this, I've seen it other places, but I haven't seen it here. Maybe this is something you could try to, that would attract um, tenants to your building that other people aren't doing, um, whether or not they take that advice or you know, even hear it um, is one thing, but absolutely. And I feel like that's kind of what sets me apart and not just actually physically traveling to places but just hearing about and like researching and seeing what what are other markets doing that hasn't quite hit here um, but as soon as it does I know it's going to blow up well let's be the first people to do that type of thing so so you're here for four years you're not Mm -hmm. from here Mm -hmm. I'm not from here I've been here um, gosh 15 years now but um, what what do you think of the area I love it do you yes I and maybe it's because we were at, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, Fort Bragg for so long, and um, there's just not as much to do there as there is here. So if we had been in another area, maybe it would have been different. It would have felt different, but my kids love it here. They have a lot to do. They love the schools. I feel like the schools are really, really good, which is what's important to us is that our kids were able to get a good education and through high school. And then our state university system is amazing. We have some of the best universities in the world, I think. Um, there's a lot to do. You can travel 20 minutes any direction and be in the middle of um, downtown Norfolk from where I live in Virginia Beach, and there's so much culture in this type of place. There's so much history in the area, Um, and the weather is pretty good. I just feel (laughs) like having the name Virginia Beach, like beach in the name, we shouldn't get cold, Ah. (laughs) but obviously that's not the way it works, but um, yeah, I, I just love it here. I don't think I'll ever leave. I like the area. I very much like the area. I've been here mm-hmm. 15 years and not, and I could put my business anywhere and, it, and I'd be here and my kids do well in school and mm-hmm. we think there's a lot of positive from those aspects. I tend to look at this area as so much on the cusp of, of opportunity, on the cusp of greatness, but at the same time, I will say, I think it gets in its own way mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, you're right about that. And I don't know, and I, and I wish... I like talking to, having conversations with, um, with thoughtful business leaders 
and people who I hope can help transform some of that and make opportunity happen mm -hmm. because I feel like we keep getting caught up in the same in in some of the same cycles mm -hmm. and not able to push through um, and I it, 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 it astounds me um, the number one thing that and, and I don't know how much you've recognized it yet or not is the inability of this area to to define itself to the outside world mm -hmm. and there seems to be so much internal and I, I'm not saying anything I wouldn't say anywhere because it's one of my rules is never say anything that I can't handle appearing on the front page of the New York Times but you know people around here have to figure it out about what and who we are because you know the various names mm -hmm. you know are we Norfolk are we Virginia Beach are we are we Hampton Roads? Are we Tidewater? Are we now the 757, even though we now have a new area code? Right. You know, and it's, and it's all about hurt feelings. Or, you know, because I, I, my life is international. My life is travels around the world. At the end of the day, internationally, we're Norfolk. We are. And mm -hmm. there, but there are a lot of people here who aren't happy about that, who, want, who don't feel that that's the right thing to, to, to represent or we can't. We can't live with that name, so we have to come up with other names for it. And it doesn't make sense to me. I grew up in New York. I didn't grow up in New York. But if anyone asked me where I grew up, it was New York. It was actually this little tiny town of 8,000 people in Bergen County, New Jersey, mm -hmm. that most people who live in Bergen County never heard of. Right. Right? <laughs> but, so if you tell someone, if you're, in, if, you're in, if you're in the area, you'll say what town you live in. But if you're not, if you're, you know, if you're in Virginia and you say, where did you grow up? I grew up in New York because if I said the name of the town, it would be meaningless. Mm -hmm. Here, I think it's the same thing. You can certainly say um, when you're here, someone says, well, you live in, you know, Virginia Beach. Frankly, you probably don't even say that. You probably say, I live in Kempsville or I live in like, you know, something even more regional within mm -hmm. that to be very more specific about where you live. But nationally and internationally, we we don't have we don't have like we lack identity mm -hmm. and we continue to lack identity and it seems to be the biggest problem that everyone recognizes that problem but they haven't come up with a solution yet yeah and I, what i'm seeing is that it's the individual even the economic development departments within the cities or just the way the cities are themselves that they want to have recognition for whatever it is that's going on so they want it in their city and so i don't know if that's part of it and i not having been here for so long, I don't know the history of it and how that's all worked out because this has been an ongoing thing, right? Right. It's not new. Um, I say I'm from Virginia Beach or that I live in Virginia Beach, um, and I, I'm happy to talk about the whole region and what individual cities are doing because I make an effort to do that because it, at the end of the day, my clients who are new to the area too need to know that I know about what each city is doing and how they participate in helping businesses come to their city. So it's important that I know that about each individual city and I haven't necessarily been able to sell or I wouldn't be able to sell to anybody our regionalism. Um, everybody's looking for where within each individual city should I be and why and it's not about uh, maybe it's that I'm centrally located off the highway but it, it needs to be in one city or the other so it's been an interesting mm -hmm. um, dynamic of how people see us and I know that not being right off 95 is 
seems like an issue too because it's because of transportation and everything. I'm working on my master's degree in public administration and one of the in my last class talked about the opioid epidemic and how um, highways like that play a part in it. So for me, I said, oh my gosh, we're so far removed from 95 that we don't see that as much in our area. So we don't have that big of a problem with that drug trafficking and everything. So I see that as a positive right. where everybody else is saying, oh yeah, but we're not close enough to 95 to be able to sit, compete with some of the things. So I don't know, I kind of spin it a different way. Like, well, but we don't have the drug trafficking like other places do because we're removed from it. But um, that and then I've had clients who've come from Richmond and they weren't sold on even being in this area because they would travel the highways and not get off and see anything else. And they didn't realize what the cities had to offer. And so they just saw it as like, well, there's congestion, there's, you know, it doesn't look that pretty. I, I don't know that I really want to be here. Um, and so it took them a long time to see that there's more to the area than just 64 and 264. And you can get off those roads and see things. You know, it's a nice place. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, you know, you said 20 minutes, you can be in, you can be in all, you know, you can be everything from a beach to farmland mm -hmm. to, I mean, depending on which direction you go, there's yeah. no question. So, so you just dropped in this little, I'm getting my master's degree oh, uh, yeah, yeah. thing and, you know, just like, just another aside. <laughs> so, so let's see. So far we've said you are a commercial real estate person. You're raising, you have a family, so you're raising three kids. Um... And you, oh, and, and you're getting a master's degree. So how do you balance it all? <laughs> it's not a balance. It's, you know, what is pulling me in direction this day and what can I get accomplished? And so luckily the way my degree program is working, it's a one-nighted week for the classroom portion. And so then I kind of work in on Sundays and do my schoolwork on that day aside from the um, one day that I have to meet. Um, and then I lean on my husband. I lean on my kids. To, I mean, I have fantastic kids. And so I have one at home now. Okay. Um, my daughter is off getting her degree at JMU. My oldest son is in Kansas living his life. He's married and, you know, he's doing his thing. And so now my, the youngest one that's at home, he is responsible for doing things around the house too to help out. So even though he's busy with soccer and school, he still has to help out. My husband is phenomenal. You know, so it's just a group effort. Um, because if I had to do everything on my own, there's just, I don't know. I think that's why I can do it, because I have everybody to help You're me out. With great yeah. collective internally to yeah, help absolutely. you do it. Yeah, absolutely. So I was going to ask, are there, are there any tips or tricks or things that you do in your life to help, to help get it all done? <laughs> you know, I'm really a bad person to ask that question, because I'm a, literally a day-to-day I'll look at my calendar the night before um, and to see, oh, wow, I've scheduled a bunch of stuff for tomorrow. I have back-to-back -back appointments or whatever it is. I really am not a great person for, and I don't know what it is about my personality. I'm not super organized um, beyond what's happening in the one day. Um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm I need help with that. So you so tell you me. Help. Okay, no, <laughs> well, I mean, do you, so... Do you have some was, advice? Well, I was going to ask, it's a fair question. Some people are organized and that works for them. Some people, their disorganization mm -hmm. actually, they they don't desire to be any more organized. Yeah. You know, I have like I have like this love hate relationship with certain certain things like um, Evernote. Love Evernote. Love it. And then the wheels come off and I wind up falling away from it for a period of time. Mm -hmm. And then when I 
when I think about it and I go, oh, you know, why am I not doing that? And my inbox is built up with stuff that I'm saving in my inbox when I really should just be clipping it into Evernote. And then I get back onto it and I'm like, oh, this is so good. But it's a little bit about the habits. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, um, forming the, I'm reading um, James Clear's book, um, um, Atomic Habits. Okay. And um, if you don't know that one, I highly recommend it. Okay. But he talks about the smallest atomic sized habit, you know, changes you can make in your life and how they can have dramatic impact. Um, because trying to take on very big habit changes mm -hmm. are is very difficult. So he talks about finding the smallest pieces and how just making these small little incremental changes will 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 have a great impact in your life, which I think is more manageable mm -hmm. than trying to take on some of the Herculean tasks, if you will. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, I am constantly, I'm always in that mode of sort of some form of self-improvement or mm -hmm. some, or, or, or change. And, uh, you know, I find that that's, um, it's hard. I had, I had disparate calendar systems. So I was double booking and triple booking myself all mm -hmm. over the place. And I said, this has to change because this is creating more stress in my life and, and anxiety about, like, that my calendars don't sync between my, stupidly, but between my phone and my computer and my laptop and whatever the reason. For some reason, I was not, my, my calendar life was not working, and it had to do with the disparate email systems that, because I have in my life, which I can't get rid of, so I made a conscious effort to find a calendaring program that actually solved that. Mm -hmm. And I found one that works for me. Mm -hmm. And I found um, an email uh, client, which is not a very common one, but actually for how I work, was much more akin to helping me than checking in on, on five different email accounts um, or using things that maybe most people use but were clearly not working for me. Right. So I do think there's a little bit of experimentation if that's something that you even care about. Or you can live in disarray and that's okay too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think having my husband, who is super analytical, and he's that guy who has checklist after checklist, is good because it kind of keeps me grounded. And on the days that I really need that, then he can be the one to tell me, like, okay. Or um, also in business, I have a business partner, um, Krista Costa. I work with her, and she's also very, like, um, she has her list. She has all this stuff together, and she's super organized. And so I, I lean on her and then she leans on me for my creativity so it's just a matter of finding people who compliment you and what you're doing and so for me in business it's working with Krista and then at home it's working with my husband who we're completely different but we complement each other so you fill each other's the 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 the, the holes in your yeah in your because I am a go with the flow I don't let's just do it let's not think about it let's just go in and make it happen Oh, you know. Oh, by the way, I should have probably researched this a little bit more. But let's just see what comes from this. Where you know other people will sometimes bring me back and say, "Yeah, you know, let's do a little more research before we jump into that project." So, yeah, you need those people to compliment you. I have a conversation with someone who talks about not checking to see if the parachute is packed. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and I said I don't have to study. I don't have to study it so much, but I do like to make sure that it's in there. Yeah, that's a good point. But some people are different. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, Nicole, I, um, I, 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 I love understanding the backstory and understanding, like, how, how you came at things. Where do you, where, but now that you sit here today, you know, and you've told us all these things you're doing, 
So the masters, for instance, is that for you, or is it because you have a? Is it, where, where are you going? Where's the, what's the goal? <laughs> well, the goal is just to be the expert in my field and to be the go-to person for office leasing in Hampton Roads or commercial real estate um, tenant rep. Uh, you know, just to be the the person. And somehow, I don't know exactly how I'm going to get there. And the master's degree is just part of me finishing something that I started a long time ago that um, I thought, you know what, this is just, I've got time now to work on this and I need to get it done. And I'm all about finishing things that I start. Okay. So, and I'll be honest with you that when I started, because I'm, it's the master's of public administration. And so when I started it in 2007, I thought I was going to work for a government entity. That was the plan at the time. Um, of course, these days, you know, I'm in the civilian sector. I haven't worked in with government in a really long time. I don't see me doing that. Um, but as I'm taking these classes, they are so relevant to what I'm doing in commercial real estate. It's all about public policy, and public policy affects everything in our lives, from the chairs we sit on to the clothes we wear. All that stuff is public policy, right? So it's been interesting to go back to that, knowing I'm not going to go into government sector, but that it's just relevant information. It's going to make me a better person, a better commercial real estate agent. Um, can can you um, yeah? Can you unpack that a little further? Because you may be the first person who's ever said that to me that way. Okay. So I'm I'm, I'm so it it piques my interest. So so public policy, understanding public policy application to commercial real estate, mm -hmm. what you do professionally. Right. So in commercial real estate, we deal with the cities who say you have to get a permit to do your construction. And then we deal with construction companies and contractors who deal with regulations on how they can do things and what the city says and what OSHA says. And those are ever-changing things. The federal government could say, we have now this requirement for you to construct things a certain way. The city may say, well, we have an even more stringent thing way that you need to construct office build-out. Um, and so just understanding who's involved with things like that. Um, it could be a tenant in a certain type of industry who needs to be in a certain location in Hampton Roads, but because of the way our regulations and our public policy is for certain cities, maybe what they think they need isn't necessarily where they can be or what they can do. So just having an understanding of who's involved with public policy and rules and regulations and why things happen the way they do, the timelines that they happen, um, because it could be that they set a rule or regulation 20 years ago that they couldn't really implement until 10 years ago, and how is that affecting us today? So really, it's just things that I didn't even realize were going on and, the, and that rules were made a certain way and by certain people. And then, not that I'm saying that I want to influence those at all, but I just need to understand that to be a better agent for my people and my clients. That's good. That, that, so it, may, I, I don't, it makes me think of a documentary I just recently watched called Jacob. Okay. I don't know if you've heard of it. Mm -mm. It's on, it's, it's either Amazon Prime or Netflix, so I want to go, go find it. It's about a guy named, Jason, named Jacob Appel, and he is, he's in his 40s. He has, like, I want to say 12, no, no, it's nine advanced degrees. So 
but the advanced degrees he has, I mean, they are so he has like a master's in fine arts and in 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 playwriting and so on and so forth. He has a medical degree from Columbia University. He has a law degree from from um, Harvard Law School. And you could say, well, he just wants to go and get degrees. Except no, he has figured out his life plan or his desire and how and apparently how each of these degrees gave him another piece of knowledge or information that fit into the life that he wanted to create. Mm-hmm. And as you were explaining why, how continuing or going back to finishing this degree in public, this master's degree in public policy has an impact on how you can be a better agent to your clients mm-hmm. made me somehow think of that a little bit. So I would, um, if you're looking for an interesting hour of your time yeah. or so, I would, I would recommend finding this thing called Jacob. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah, really, so. really, really fascinating. And someone else turned it, turned me on to it, and I was like, wow, it was just one of those things. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it made me think a little bit about that as you were explaining your, your piece. Do you have a, so you have this plan now mm-hmm. towards towards um, being the best or the go-to person mm-hmm. in, in, in commercial real estate here in, in the area. Um, someone asked me the other day if I had a... Um, if I had a personal mission statement, and I thought, hmm, I don't, but that, mm-hmm. but it's now it's now it's rolling around in my brain a lot. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you the same question. Do you have a um, have you th- have you thought about that, and does that fit into? Um, I haven't really thought about that to say. Let me write this down, and this is my personal mission statement. But my thought process as I'm dealing with customers and clients, and just because I'm forward-facing, right, and I deal with people all the time, is to be my genuine self and just to be a nice person. And if I don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, just making sure I maintain um, being that for people because you just don't know where they are in their lives, what's going on with them, um, and to make sure that I treat people with respect and that, I'm myself while doing it, basically, that I'm not trying to change myself or anything, but at least I can um, be just nice to people, you know? I think it should be everybody's personal mission statement, to be honest, but like, can we just be nice to each other? I, 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 I tend to agree. <laughs> so you mentioned, um, you know, when we first started talking, we talked about, about Zach, mm-hmm. um, and, um, I, and something that I have subscribed to for a long time, but he... but. But he asked the question is, or suggested is, instead of asking people um, what they do, I went at a, at a networking, I hate that word actually, but at, at, a, at an opportunity to meet somebody, mm-hmm. you know, what else can you ask them first? So mm-hmm. I, I tend to ask people, what are they reading? Or um, they, what are they listening to? Or, you know, what podcast are they, are they into right now? So I always like to ask people that because I always learn new new. New books, new podcasts, new yeah. things. So, so what are you reading or listening to right now? So I listen to almost on a daily basis how I built that with Guy Raz. And it's basically the stories of how people took an idea and turned it into, whether they thought they were going to or not, turned it into a huge business. And a lot of times they sell the business. And I listen to that to get insight and to hear these different amazing stories and with products that I usually either I'm I purchased these things or I've seen this company or I've supported somehow and just to hear that backstory but also it's kind of motivational too to hear that things don't always work out the way you thought you can go into something without a plan 
and you don't have to know what you're doing and you can it can still work out so those are kind of motivational to me um the one about Dippin' Dots was interesting. Did, oh. Have you heard that one? No, okay. I, I certainly know what Dippin' Dots are. I have two. I have I have two daughters, and when they were little, they always seemed to want those those really ridiculous ice cream. Yeah. So when I was fifteen, <laughs> I worked at the first Dippin' Dots kiosk in our local mall, and it was a new product. And so when I heard that Dippin' Dots was on, how I built that, I thought, well, I want to hear how this worked out. It's actually kind of a sad story. Okay. He's one of the one business owners who kind of lost everything so to hear they don't just always tell you know the amazing stories it's business stories and how people weathered things or how they did it and so I, it's a motivational thing for me the other one that I listen to is Freakonomics Radio so good yeah it's great and um, they just talk about some things that are very timely very well researched um, it makes you think and then it makes you it, it gives you just so many facts about things that um, that then you don't have to spend time googling because you've you've heard so many facts you know within that time period. So I love Freakonomics. You just before you dropped in, jumped into Freakonomics, mm-hmm. you mentioned um, and I, I don't love Freakonomics. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned about adversity for business people, and mm-hmm. and you started going down a road which I um, I wanted to go back to for a second, and that is about how you how you recover or how you carry that situation you know I think business um, entrepreneurs have um, aren't always just success stories right uh, and actually you I think you learn more from the failure stories than you mm-hmm. do from the success, success stories both individually your own failures as well as um, as the ones you, you learn about so when you hear a story like the dip and dot story mm-hmm. which I don't know so I'm going to go in and, and, and listen to that um, are there takeaways that you said they're motivational to you? So mm-hmm. what? So how does that how does that help you? Um, so it helps me just one saying, okay, well this person didn't succeed doing this thing, but they were able to overcome with, and a lot of times they'll give ideas of that how to overcome it. So it's a very individual thing, but hearing what each individual has done has been good to say. Well, I think I can take this one piece with me because I know myself, I know my strengths and weaknesses, I know that I can, um, it, it could be things like, um, for me it would be, you have to kind of just push that to the past and I'm very good at compartmentalizing and so hearing that there are people in business who are able to compartmentalize and not have things flow into just different areas and that they don't, um, you can't worry about things otherwise you get bogged down with that worry that's good to, for me to hear to know that okay well I'm on the right track you know I can I can whatever I messed up yesterday or that things didn't go right yesterday let's move on and it's a new day or it, whatever happened in the hour prior that was kind of crap you know let's move on from that and you just shut it down and move on to the next thing and just remain positive and remain you know have a good outlook on life and anytime anybody asks you how are you doing today regardless of what it is just telling yourself, you know what, I am amazing right now, I'm doing great, I'm doing awesome because I'm alive, I'm healthy, things are moving forward, um, and not get bogged down with any of the negativity. So that's the motivation for me. I love your positivity. Yeah. So that's really good. You're, very, you're, you're clearly a very positive person, and that's wonderful. So thank you for coming and spending time with me today. How can people find you? So the first place that they can find me is on LinkedIn. I'm Nicole Campbell One, 
and I don't know if it's because I was the first Nicole Campbell on LinkedIn ever like years ago, but that's where you can find me there. And then my um, email address is nicole.campbell at devaris.com, and I know you'll put that in your show notes so people spell it correctly. I will. Yeah. And I will ask you just so for purposes, when on the LinkedIn, when you're Nicole Campbell 1, is it spelled out O-N-E or is it oh, the number it's one? the number one. The number one. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, and um, it's been great getting to have this conversation with you. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Nicole Campbell. She is clearly a dynamic personality, and she has great ideas on how to redevelop the commercial real estate market. Thanks for listening, and please remember to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes of Corporate Value.